Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here from Susquehanna Valley Church. I want to thank you for checking in this morning. Um, we, we are so thankful for all of you who are, who are continuing to connect with God through the stuff that we're putting out through Facebook and through social media, YouTube, and, and you name it. We're trying to put it out there so that you can see it and be reminded of who God is in this time. Um, I want to say a big thank you to those who have shared our stuff on social media. You're helping to get it out to the community. And in a time where people are vulnerable because they're afraid, they want to hear spiritual truth. And so we appreciate you sharing stuff. I'm also thankful for those of you who keep uh, being faithful and giving. That lets us do the things that God has called us to do. Um, and uh, let's, let's just even support the missionaries that we're supporting. I just checked in with Anthony and Kenzie Wilson, who are with Cadence International in Italy, and, and just kind of said, you know, hey, man, like, how is it over there? You guys have been there for a couple of weeks. And he said, we're, we're just kind of stuck inside. Uh, we are quarantined. I said, is it as bad as what people think? And he said, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, not everybody has it, but a lot of people are, are dying. Those who have it, many of them are. And so I said, well, how can we pray for you? Um, and he just said, continue to pray for health and for, for them to deal with some of the boredom. They've actually just started to, uh, to volunteer with a grocery store to deliver groceries to some elderly people. So just awesome that they're doing that. Let's keep praying for them. Let's keep praying for anybody who's been affected by this situation. Um, and yeah, so this morning, this morning I want to talk to you and challenge you with uh, where we've been in this series, which is the 2020 series. 2020 is this concept where w when we say hindsight's 2020, it means we see it with a clarity, we see it with a wisdom that if we were to do it over, we'd do it differently because now we see it accurately. What we've been talking about is let's have foresight like we have hindsight. Let's live for the future like we wish we had lived in the past. Let's, let's look at what God wants to do through us in the future. Look at what, what he wants to do there based on how we see we should have lived in the past. And so, so that's, that's where we're going this morning, especially in a season of uncertainty where you can't see the future and it looks different than what you expected. It looks different financially, it looks different medically, or it looks different career-wise than what you anticipated. The important thing is to, even more so than ever, look back and say, God, how did you want me to live then? So how should I live now? How can I live when I can't see the, the details of what tomorrow holds? I can see what matters, and that's integrity, that's faith, and I think some incredible things happen when we see the world through faith, even when the world doesn't look pretty. The other day, my wife and I were driving, and, and we saw a little boy out playing in the yard as if nothing in the world was a trouble to him at all. Um, and it, it was funny, he was wearing a police hat, and he had a little shoulder, and he was walking around the shoulder, walking around with a shovel on his shoulder like he was giving instructions to somewhere or something. He was having fun, whatever he was doing. He was in his own little world, and he was having fun. And, and what I loved about that picture was he was seeing a world th that wasn't really there. He was seeing a world that we couldn't see. And I was thinking about that, and so much of life is, is so, incre it's so incredibly important for us to see a world that, that in some senses isn't there, a spiritual world. We can't see it. But in reality, God's at work. And for us to see it and to live in light of that is so incredibly important. So much of life is what you make it out to be based on how you see it. We want you to see this not as a, not as a drain of life, but as an opportunity that God has given us to change the world right around us and to let God change us internally. So here's the deal. You could focus on what you've lost and you can focus on what could have been but if you focus on what you lost and you focused on what could have been, you'll always miss out on what is and what could be. 
We don't focus on what we lost. We don't focus on what could have been because we don't want to miss out on what is and what can still be as God works in us. We've been looking at that in the life of Joseph, a guy who has every reason to talk about the failures, to talk about the times that he, he had things taken from him, and yet his focus is always on what is and what can be. So as we turn our attention there, let's, let's just pray uh, for God to teach us. Lord, I thank you so much for the truth that you give us through your word. I thank you that you give it to us in story because it so connects with our own lives. Lord, in our stories right now, we're experiencing uncertainty, chaos, doubt. And Father, I pray that our stories would still be a place of fear. Or not a fear, our stories would still be a place of faith and confidence and trusting in you. We ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You see, I believe God is an agent of change. I think when he comes into a person's life, he doesn't leave them looking the same way they used to. I think he takes the broken and makes it new. I think he takes the neglected and he nurtures it and he heals it and he uses it for his glory. And I think in the story of Joseph, we're looking at a man who's been hurt, who's been broken, who's been forgotten. And through it all, God keeps changing him to turn him into the man that he wants him to be. And we've got a man who's got integrity as a constant in his life. And I think his journey's about to have a change for the good. Um, so, so let's catch you up on where, where we've been so far. Joseph, uh, Joseph's been hated by his older brothers, so much so that they, they beat him and throw him in a pit. They're going to kill him, but one of the brothers says, that's a bad idea. I've got a better idea. It's not really that good of an idea, but it's better than death. He says, why don't we sell him as a slave? Then we don't have his blood on our hands. So they sell him as a slave. Joseph then is now back down to the bottom in another pit, so to speak, but he's faithful and he's, he's a man of integrity. He serves others, he loves them, and he rises all the way back up to the slave master who, who says, I want you to be second in command next to me of all that I have. Everything I have is entrusted to you. And, and, and so Joseph is noticed and he's recognized, but he's not just noticed and recognized by, by the slave master, he's noticed and recognized by the slave master's wife who finds him incredibly, incredibly good looking and continues to make pass after pass at him, he continues to try to sleep with him. And Joseph, with his integrity, says no over and over and over again. And then one day, not dealing with the rejection well, she grabs a piece of his clothing and makes up a story and changes Joseph's life and says, this man tried to rape me. And Joseph's master hears of the story, comes back, and in his anger, doesn't seek truth, but just seeks uh, 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 just a satisfaction through violence, and he has him thrown into prison for the rest of his life. And we pick up the story where Joseph probably, if he's, if, if he's anybody else, he would have quit. Joseph could have given up. He could have been done. The rest of his life could have just been living out defeat. But his faith and his integrity won't allow him to. He's got to see God in the difficult situations, and he has to love God and love people in the, in the hard times. He has to. So he sets about working hard in the prison, and he rises up again to a place where he's given influence, and he's given people who, he's, uh, who are entrusted to him, even within the prison. And then one day, opportunity meets integrity, and God does something in his life. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. 
Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both have dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. The story continues that Joseph listens to their dreams and then he goes on with God's wisdom to be able to interpret them. The cupbearer has this dream and Joseph says, this dream means that in a few days, Pharaoh is going to look at you again and he's going to forgive you and he's going to restore you back to your previous position. And and please, cupbearer, please, when you get out of there, please tell Pharaoh who I am. Tell him the man that I've been and maybe he'll show mercy and kindness to me if you remember me. Maybe it will mean something. Maybe God will do something through it. And then he says to the baker, your dream doesn't have the same fortunate outcome. Your dream means that Pharaoh will look on you again. But unlike the cupbearer, Pharaoh's going to be displeased. And Pharaoh will take your life from you. Both of these futures happen exactly as Joseph describes. The, the baker's life is taken from him. The cupbearer is restored to his position just like Joseph said, only as luck would have it, as we say, as you know, Joseph could say, that's just my luck, that's just my fortune, the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph. And he finds himself in a position in life where he's helped somebody, he's loved them, and they've forgotten him. And I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to people, and that's been the story of their life the people they loved, the people they cared about, the people they made sacrifices for have forgotten them, have stepped on them, have stepped over them, have moved past them in a way that seems like they don't matter. And this episode of Joseph being forgotten leads to two long years of Joseph waiting in prison for something new to happen, for something different to happen. And so, so Joseph is in prison wondering what's going to happen, wondering where God's going to do something, feeling forgotten, and then one day, the stars align. And the king of Egypt has this crazy dream, crazy dream that nobody can figure out, where seven healthy, well-fed cows are in the dream, and then there's seven starving cows who who, uh, come along and they consume the seven well-fed cows. And And the only issue is those seven starving cows don't look like they've eaten anything, even after they've eaten the well-fed cows. And and Pharaoh is deeply troubled at this point. He doesn't know what it means. And he, he starts a search to look for somebody, anybody, the wisest people in the land who can figure out what this dream means. In his search, he comes up empty. And it just happens to be that one day, the cupbearer overhears Pharaoh talking about the dream. And the cupbearer realizes his error. And he says, wait a second, I know a guy. I know a young man who was able to tell me my dreams and to exactly interpret them. An opportunity meets a man with integrity. You know, 
we could say at this point that this is just coincidence. Finally, Joseph called a break. Or we could see it from the lens of faith and we could say, no, God has been shaping Joseph and he's about to do something big. And Joseph, if he understands what God's doing and follows after God, is gonna be our, he's gonna be on for the wildest ride of his life as he gets to see God do something because he's gonna see that this isn't just coincidence. Let me ask you a question. How many coincidences does it have to take for it to not be a coincidence anymore? When coincidences are common, when they're just right, when they're unexplainable, do you, do you just chalk it up as finally things have fallen your way, that, that it's your turn and it just worked out? Or is there a God who's somehow intricately weaving life to bring you to places, to bring you to situations, to give you knowledge in a way that he's going to use you to change the world around you in a positive way? I think coincidences aren't so coincidental. The other day on one of our mini lessons, I told a story about how I was longing for a Bible with historical and sentimental significance. And about an hour later, I get a, I get a call from a family member who I hadn't spoke to in years. And she says, hey, I, I came across your dad's old Bible from, from when he was a kid in church. And it, it's got his name in it. And, and I've just been ha- hanging on to it. It's been in a box. And I want to send it to you. And I listen to things like that. And I say, I can't call that coincidence. Even for me, serving at this church for for six years, I prayed discontent at my previous position and just waiting and hoping and praying for God to to open a door where I could serve in a way that I felt was was faithful to him. And then then I get a call in the mountains from a mentor of mine who says, hey, I I got a church that I think would be a great fit for you. And I'm thinking, man, God, you've been shaping me. You've been molding me. I can't call this a coincidence. I mean, Oftentimes, I'll just call someone or text somebody, and and they'll say, this is so uncanny that you're calling me right now. Did someone someone put you up to it? Did did somebody tell you to call me? And and, and essentially, my answer is yes and no, because someone did, but it's not a person. God put you on my heart. And then time and time again, I think God puts us in, in situations that are not coincidental. And sometimes, just so happens happens to be exactly what God wanted when he wants it. I think more often than not, God wants to work through us. Check out Acts 17 and verse 26. Paul is preaching to a a group of people, and he says, he, he wants them to understand something. He says, from one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And check this out. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. It is not a coincidence that you exist and you are at the places you are in life. It is not an accident. The timing, the location, they are not an oops. God has designed them strategically. He's working behind them. The cupbearer, didn't just happen to be assigned to Joseph's prison cell at a time when Joseph was there. God was working. I bet Joseph was just waiting. God, who do you have that you want to bring to me that I can love, that I can build into, that I can share my wisdom with? I want you to ask three questions right now. Why does God have you where you are right now? What does God want you to do where you are right now? And how can I do it in the most loving way? Why am I here? 
What do you want me to do? And then how should I do it? Don't over, don't underestimate that last one. Because if you do the last one in an unloving, a sarcastic, a selfish way, it's going to undo the why and the what that you've been working so hard and waiting so long for. Why are you there? What does God want you to do? And how can you do the most, how can you do it in the most loving way possible? Because when just so happens meets a person of integrity and faith, God's about to do something big. Pharaoh calls for Joseph. He says, my cupbearer has told me that you can interpret dreams. Here's a doozy. And he tells him the dream, the seven cows, um, and, and the seven well-fed, the seven starving. He tells him another dream he's had that's along the same line. Joseph listens, and, and without missing a step, he, he says, God has given the answer to your dreams. It means that there will be, for the land of Egypt, seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. The seven years of famine will be so severe that it will overwhelm the seven years of abundance where there won't be any food left. He says, Pharaoh, this is gonna happen. God's been kind to you. You need to be wise. You need to come up with a plan. You need to be storing up during the abundance so that you can have during the, during the famine. And check it out in, in chapter 41 as Pharaoh sees not just the wisdom in Joseph, but the integrity and the faith of Joseph. Verse 37 The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And all the judgments, all the misfortunes, all the hard work, all pay off. As Joseph, a man with faith, a man with integrity, gets an opportunity. He knows why he's there. He knows what he's there for. And he does it with love and kindness. And there's two things about this that I I think should shape our life in the season that we're in. Number one is when your future doesn't make sense, don't abandon the path that God has called you to walk. When the future doesn't make sense, don't abandon the path that God has called you to walk. It might not be your ideal scenario. It might not look like you thought it would look. That doesn't mean you shouldn't walk the path that God wants you to walk. We look back like we look ahead. When things change, when things alter, we don't act without integrity in order to solve them. We say, God, why do you have me here? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And we trust God because he's a pro at sorting out things and planning paths where all we need to see is the step in front of us, even if we don't understand everything else. Joseph had big plans, and he's beaten and thrown in a pit. Joseph had big plans. He rises to become the second in the command of Potiphar's house. He's sold into slavery, and he's in a prison. Joseph had big plans. He helps somebody out, and they forget about him. And he continues through it all to say, God, I don't understand it. I don't see it, but I trust you. Sometimes God plants seeds that are the beginning of an answer to prayer that takes years of fruition, years to come to a point of fruition. Sometimes God plants seeds that are our prayers and they take years 
for the conditions to be made just right in life, for the soil to, for, for God to change the soil, for God to bring light, for God to bring water. And it takes years for, for these prayer seeds that we planted to come to fruition. And, and, and what God wants us to think about, to, to really wrestle with is what do we do while seal, why seal, what do we do while seeds grow? What do we do while we've got to be patient and live through the chaos, live through the difficulty, live through the mundane, live through the routine? What do we do while seeds grow? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That's what you do while seeds grow. You don't trust in your own abilities. You trust on God. You don't lean on your own understanding. You lean on him. You don't find your own ways. You find his ways and you walk his path. You may only see the next step, but that's enough to take a step. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When we don't know what God wants for us, we focus on the small right thing right in front of us. We say, God, what do you have for me right here, right now? And Joseph is this incredible servant of God who serves him and is faithful in despicable places and difficult situations. And he trusts, he leans, he acknowledges God, and he walks his path. Even when others feel that they're better off without him. Even when others deal with their own rejection by putting him down. Even when he's overlooked and forgotten. And Joseph could have given up. He could have gotten angry. But his faith and his integrity kept him on a path. And opportunity came his way. When, you, when your future doesn't make sense, don't abandon the, fa- the path that God has called you to walk. Second thing we want you to know about the life of Joseph is this, is when God puts you in a place of good, be a distributor of good. Be a person who just gives good out. If God blesses you, be a person that blesses others. Because when God, when God bestows, when God gives good to you, it's meant to be given by you. It's meant to go out from you. In our current context, it is so easy to have the prepper mentality to say, you know what? I'm just going to store up for me, my house, my family. We're good. Is that how God calls us to live? To say, I've got mine and I don't care about anybody else. I think God calls us to live in a place where if he has brought us to a place of good, then we distribute good. We find a way to bring good to others. I understand that it's difficult to say, God, I have enough for myself. Does that mean that I should share and put myself in a difficult situation? And it brings to mind for me, as I personally wrestle with this concept, it brings to me the idea of what sacrifice truly is. And we've got a chance to look and say, this is what sacrifice is for me to care about somebody as I care about myself, for me to love them as Christ has loved me, and to say that I'm gonna be a distributor of good even when it's tough and it's difficult. See, when Joseph finally gets to a good place, he isn't looking at good as an opportunity to to hoard. He's looking at it as an opportunity to give. Genesis 41, verse 48, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like like the sand of the sea, it was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Why does Joseph do that? So that he can, he can feel safe, so that he can have enough? 
No, Joseph does that so he can make sure the entire nation is well-fed and cared for. This is not new to Joseph. In every scenario he's been in, he's been good to the people around him. He's found good from God, and he's been good to the people around him. Use the place that you were in as a storehouse for good to share with the people that God has surrounded you with. Thomas Aquinas, when he talks about this passage, he he says that to love somebody means to will their good. To not just hope for good, to not just think good, or say, I wish good things happened to you. Thomas Aquinas is saying that what we need to do is not just want good, but to will it. To take action that brings about the good in other people, um, even at sacrifice to ourselves. That that would be part of our goal in life to say God has brought me to a place of good, I'm going to will good for other people with the good that he has given me. Joseph is an expert at this. I hope we can become experts at it as well, that we can help others become all that God wants them to be as we share good with them. That good might be to feed the hungry. That good might be to give insight when somebody needs wisdom. It might be to find a downtrodden person to speak positive truth into their life, God's truth into their life. It it might be to distribute a kind attitude to your children, distribute a joyful joyful heart to them. It might be to distribute a a break to your spouse to say, hey, I'm gonna take the kids, I'm gonna do the dishes, I'm gonna do dinner. You go relax, you go take a shower. It's been a week, Uh, go go take a nap. You haven't slept in three days. Whatever it is, be a distributor of good to the people around you. Because after all, is that not the very core of love? To will good towards those around us? And is that not the very nature of Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate distributor of good? He's our example. And he is our constant source of all that we need. Hebrews chapter four and verse 16, as it's inviting us to come to him with regularity, with consistence, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And Jesus is the ultimate distributor of good. Look, I I don't know what's going on right now, but I know one thing. We all need to go to that throne. We all need to spend time connecting with Jesus Christ and enjoying who he is, letting his love minister to us so that we're healthy and whole enough to minister to the people around us. Joseph could endure the bad times because he found God's good time in those times. Joseph could endure the difficult seasons because he found God's goodness in those seasons. We love you. We want to continue to pray for you and pray with you. We're going to keep putting out content. We would love for you to share comments and and thoughts for how we can be praying or or just things that God's doing because we want to continue this community feel throughout this time of quarantine because at the end of the day, God is still God and he's still working in this world. Let's pray. God, I think so often we get focused on our circumstances and how they aren't what we want them to be. But God, you've got a plan that's greater than us. The life without downfalls and difficulties is the next life that we enter in through your son, Jesus. It's not this life on earth. I pray that we look at what we have right in front of us with the wisdom from what you've taught us in the past, that we live for the future like we wish we've lived in the past. And within that, God, that we'd walk right paths where it doesn't make sense. 
We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.